0: Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, you'll have ad-free episodes, and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at love, linked in the show notes.
1: When you sort of feel that inside of yourself, like that little fear or doubt, I, I know I, I like to acknowledge it and say, oh, oh, there's something there that um, is kind of scary. I'm going to run towards it and not away from it.
0: I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Welcome back to another We Are LA Tech Crypto Friday special episode. I'm your guest host, Ira Herman, CTO of CoinBot, and we have an amazing guest in studio. Very fortunate to have her. She's done some incredible things. Uh, Say hi to everyone, Tiana. Hi, guys. And what is your name? Uh, What's your company and what are you working on?
1: My name is Tiana Lawrence and my company is uh, Lawrence Ventures and I'm working on uh, blockchain technology and investing as usual. Um, I'm building out a gaming platform using cryptocurrency and blockchain technology.
0: Amazing. And so I want I want to talk about that gaming platform in a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, when did you start Lawrence Ventures?
1: Uh, Lawrence Ventures, I started last year as a uh, mechanism for doing more angel investing in tech startups, primarily blockchain, IOT, and AI.
0: Very cool. So uh, the the super futuristic technologies are your everyday business.
1: I think it becomes really powerful when you start combining uh, security and systems that are working together intelligently. Um, and I think that that's what our future is.
0: Very cool. And, and you know quite a bit about about those spaces. In fact, I picked up your book, Blockchain for Dummies. And so that, that's an amazing book. I've uh, been going through that. There's a lot of really interesting topics on it. Everything from kind of beginner standpoint, all the way to setting up your own blockchain and running it yourself and uh, generating your own uh, wallets and how the different popular technologies work. You talk about the Bitcoin blockchain, Ethereum uh, Factum, uh, all kinds of other ones. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you know Factum and, and some of the other blockchains in that book.
1: So um, I was a co-founder. I still am a co-founder of Factum. Uh, and Factum uh, was a, a new blockchain. It's about four years old now. Uh, and we are doing a different type of technology. We're using a federated network versus uh, a public network like Bitcoin or Ethereum.
0: Very cool. And so, yeah, what is what does federated mean as opposed to what Bitcoin and mm-hmm. Ethereum is doing?
1: So I like to kind of divide the the blockchain world into your public, private and maybe even um, hybrids of the two. And so you have a Bitcoin or or Digibyte or Ethereum where you can participate at any level in that technology. You could be a developer, you could be a miner, you could uh, just uh, buy and trade the cryptocurrency. Or uh, there's blockchains that have uh, more gating in them that allow for uh, different types of technology. And so with Factum, we had 33 uh, federated nodes. That means that uh, people that are utilizing the network Uh, vote on who gets to process transactions and allow them to go into the blockchain. And then there's audit nodes that um, double check that work. And then anybody else can also be running a node to be uh, triple verifying that the transactions are flowing correctly. And then all of that is uh, taken down uh, to a single uh, Merkle route and then anchored into other blockchains like Bitcoin so that the system can't be rolled back. And that's about every 10 minutes. How it was architected, so
0: very cool. And and you mentioned a very technical term, Merkle root. And so my my understanding of that is is it's a way. Uh, what you said in the book about factum, the goal was to build a blockchain that's scalable or that's more scalable for enterprise. Is that right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um a Merkle root is simply like. Any amount of data can be hashed, and with a, with a hash, you can combine those um, until you get down to a single uh, string of numbers that can represent almost any size of data. Um, and it's a way of being able to prove existence or, or prove validity of information uh, in, in a very simple way. Um, and it's a, let's think of it as anchoring, as a way of like saying this is how something was at this given point in time.
0: So that's amazing because right now the, the major blockchains, you've got Bitcoin and Ethereum and and several others, they're, as far as I know, not solving that problem of the more transactions that go in there, the bigger those blockchains are getting. And then any any server of the distributed ledger or what we call miners usually have to then download a whole copy of the entire history of every transaction that's ever happened. and uh, And so what you're talking about is a way to summarize those transactions then so that you can contribute without having to download that whole blockchain?
1: Yeah, so most blockchains are structured as a single sort of like think of it as like a single data set that's like always growing in, in, in size over time. Uh, and, and Factum in a lot of ways is, is like that, but it's structured in such a way. So it's like a, a blockchain of chains. So it allows users just to pull down information that they're interested in without having to pull down the full data set, which allows it to scale for commercial use. And uh, we pioneered that for uh, use with the Department of Homeland Security. Um, the Gates Foundation and large financial institutions that needed to put a lot of transactions in.
0: So yeah. that's fascinating. So th- this is a technology and company that's up and running th- this blockchain. Uh, blockchains are up and running and you've got the Department of Homeland Security, the Gates Foundation and other enterprise level type of organizations using it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Very cool. So that's and that's a very a very different kind of space from what you're working on now. So t- tell us what you're working on right now.
1: Uh, everything I worked on at Factum was pretty serious. Um, and I, I loved it. It felt like every day um, the work that I was doing was important to the world. Um, and I decided with this, this next phase in my life, I wanted to do things that were fun and, um, it's, it's good to do important things, but it's also important to do fun things. Um, and I had come across this game called Crypto Kitties. I don't know if any of you guys have played that yet. If you haven't, check it out. It's kind of odd and addicting and weird. And
0: I may have some <laughs> Crypto Kitties myself.
1: That's fantastic. <laughs> I found it because I, um, I was trying to process a transaction on Ethereum, and it wasn't going through. And I was trying to dig up why Ethereum was being broken and... Um, I found CryptoKitties and I was kind of mad at first. I'm like, this is this is the dumbest thing ever. And um, my little sister calls me up on the phone and I'm like on the CryptoKitty website and I'm trying to get my cats to breed. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm breeding CryptoKitties. She's like, what's that? And um, my youngest sister, um, she's a junior developer, but she hasn't really wanted anything to do with the crypto space because our big sister does all this stuff. And uh, her eyes just were sort of like lit up and she wanted to play. And she calls me back the next day and she'd bred two cats. And what I realized had happened was somebody that had had no interest in this space had become uh, completely educated in it. And in, in a sense, like she had set up her own wallet. She had accepted cryptocurrency. She had gone in and used a wallet to log into a website. And then within that website, she was able to create her own rare digital assets uh, mm. that then she could sell in a global marketplace. And that happened in 24 hours. And as somebody that has been trying her best to like educate <laughs> the world about this technology, I'm just like, I think people should just play crypto kitties. <laughs> Um, Yeah, it
0: it explains a lot just going through the dynamics of the game
1: but it's fun like it's it's not like I'm sitting here telling you about how to you know build a Merkle tree and go all the way down to a Merkle root and then anchor it inside of another blockchain and then make sure it doesn't roll back like it it moves away from that and moves to a place of um, fun and play because I think that's how most of us learn best is through exploration and learning and 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 through play that engages us. So
0: Def- yeah, definitely play is very important. There's no reason things shouldn't be fun. Yeah. And that's, yeah, some of the most complicated, complex concepts are easily taught if it's just thought out in a way that's fun or there's some game dynamic to it. For oh sure.
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So what are what are you then working on right now?
1: So inside of this uh, game platform that uh, we're building out, our first game is uh, called Digi Puppies, And it combines some of the uh, technologies you have with CryptoKitties and Pokemon Go uh, and a little bit of Cards Against Humanity. I think it's it's fun to throw a little dark humor in there. And so we're just kind of building that out as um, an extension. Like I think games should be uh, easy to learn, but difficult to master, as they say. So adding other aspects to games that keep people engaged and allow for other kinds of interesting opportunities for for growth in global markets.
0: So, when did you first become interested in tech personally?
1: Oh, man. Um I think the the very first time I sort of became fascinated with technology, my dad's friend um installed security systems and one day he brought over a box of like spare parts and I remember digging around in this box and finding all of these like little chips and and, and wires and, and pieces and just like taking it apart and trying to figure out how it worked. And then mm-hmm. after that, I, I took apart. um I don't know if you guys ever remember the little black and white radio televisions that are like four inches by four inches was the size of the screen. I took that apart. Oh, and yeah. I had, I had
0: one, a little portable TV. Yeah, it was
1: portable. It had a little handle. <laughs> Um, yeah, I fixed one of those cause it had had some cross wires and I took it apart and figured it out. Um, and I, I don't know, i probably was maybe seven or eight I don't know. I was pretty young.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, uh, back when I was young, they, they called what that, like I would take things apart as well and they called it being mechanically inclined. Oh, did I really think it was, it was kind of pre some of the technology. Uh, but same thing, I, I would take apart alarm clocks and, uh, vcrs and even like vhs tapes and just ra- yes. random things and i big, took apart
1: many vhs tapes i was fascinated by that i yeah. was like how does it get the movie onto the black tape
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing how that works and there's so much tape that's spooled up and yeah. uh and i even took apart like eight tracks mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if uh if you've taken apart an eight track but uh, a beta ha- tape it, well what's oh a beta tape yeah. oh wow Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Some of the, uh, some of that technology, but the real trick was whether I could put these things back together or not.
1: Yes. That was always the game. Can I get it back together and have it work? <laughs>
0: yeah. so, so with your portable TV that you took apart, uh, mm-hmm. were you able to put it back together?
1: I did. And it totally worked. And the deal was I got to keep it if I fixed it. And I don't think my dad thought I could fix it. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> and so he wanted it back once it was fixed. I was like, No, 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 no! That was not the agreement. <laughs> so
0: that's that's incredible. That's kind of unheard of because I I would have totally messed it up. <laughs> so um, so how how did you figure out how to do that?
1: Um, you know, um,
0: or that you could do that.
1: I, I don't think it was a it wasn't a place where you had to ask permission. You just did. Um, my my parents were very I guess laissez faire like. We, we just were running wild Huckleberry Finn style and I grew up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. So it was sort of like find our own entertainment. And usually that was in the back of my dad's machine shed that had all the tools you could imagine for the last 150 years, like progressively stacked the further to the front of the machine shop. You got the newer, the technology.
0: Oh, cool. So, so he was organized.
1: That was was where I played.
0: (laughs) Very cool. And so you didn't, you didn't have those boundaries basically, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I've failed a bunch. We were talking about, about this a a little bit before the show and, uh, you know, how I deal with failure, but it seems like you have this natural knack for a lot of things. Do you run into challenges? Um, how, how do you get past that? How do you keep in the right mindset to move forward and learn?
1: I kind of like to relabel you know, when most people label something there, you know that maybe they label it as failure, I like to label it as like a, a learning opportunity. like there's something here that I didn't quite understand. And so you keep on picking at that till you kind of get it. And I think the other thing is like when you sort of feel that inside of yourself like that little fear or doubt, I, I know I, I like to acknowledge it and say, oh oh, there's something there that' um, is kind of scary. I'm gonna run towards it and not away from it. And I think that that progressively has helped me in my life. I mean, sometimes that has hindered me to run towards things I'm afraid of, because there's there's usually a good reason that one is afraid of something. But, you know, if you are always looking at something as a learning opportunity, it gives yourself space to make mistakes, to to fail, um, and that it's okay. That way you don't get caught up in um, the self-esteem stuff and that sort of that weird, dark, downward spiral of like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I don't understand. Versus like, huh, that was interesting. Let's try that again.
0: That's amazing. I, I love that. That's really powerful because, yeah, you're making me think about even labeling it failure is not is not doing doing me any good. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a natural process. It's a learning opportunity. Uh, I really like that mindset. So you talked a little bit about growing up and your dad had that workshop uh, with all these different tools and technology, and you were able to play in that space and learn and experiment. Uh, As you got older, how did you end up getting into business?
1: My family has always been entrepreneurial. And so my parents encouraged me and my brother um, and another friend um, to start our own little company. We would go clean up job sites or plant flowers or you know make houses nice Um, and so I started doing that when I was uh, 16 and it was kind of rough like that first business because um, the year before I had been working for this uh, landscape maintenance company I think I made three thousand dollars and then uh, the little company I had with my brother um, I think I had maybe five hundred dollars at the end of that summer Um, but I had learned a lot and kind of got the bug like maybe this is something that I could do And then it wasn't until later I think I must have been 22 uh, when I started doing other companies it was during that the recession like I think the recession um, for a lot of people made what the normal path was no longer accessible and mm-hmm. that was the same time like the iPhone came out and I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, like uh, that a four hour work week book came out that finally talked about business as not just like a brick and mortar store, but as you on your laptop in a cafe and Buenos Aires, that's a possibility. And so I was like, huh, I don't like the idea of having to go up to a shop every day and, you know, punch a card and and sell clothing or whatever. If that's somebody's passion, awesome. But I'm like, I want to travel the world and I want to, you know, build websites and I want to come up with new ideas. And so I started doing that.
0: Very cool. And and you're based out of Austin, Texas. Is that right?
1: Yes, I have a place in Austin and a place in Mountain View.
0: And in Mountain View. Yeah. Awesome. So t- Tim Ferriss is also, I think, in Austin. Is that right? Uh, I th-
1: I think so. There's yeah. there's an
0: interesting uh, scene that's kind of shrouded up out of there. A lot of innovation coming out of there. What are the uh, kind of the resources that you're seeing there?
1: You know, Texas is a, a very interesting place. And, I, and Austin is definitely my favorite place within Texas. It's just sort of a uh, get her done. <laughs> like if people, people are 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 creators there, and there's a whole um, a whole support system for creative endeavors, and there's these sort of like these little pods. Like Portland, Oregon, is another kind of place where there's a lot of um, creativity, a lot of makers, and Austin's another place There's a lot of creativity, a lot of makers. It also has a really interesting business environment that makes it a little more friendly uh, for taxes and employment and stuff like that. As an entrepreneur, I think that's what attracts a lot of people to that area. Um, the food's great. There's a big music scene um, and it's beautiful. The weather's great. It's
0: amazing. How often are you traveling
1: I probably live out of an airport um, a couple weeks out of the month, I think. I, I'm, I'm consciously choosing now to be like, OK, I'm going to be in a place that I call home for at least a week at a time just to rest, recover, get some other kinds of work done.
0: Makes sense. And, and when you're traveling, you have you have businesses or you have investments in, in each of these locations. What are, what are you doing on your typical trip?
1: Um, I do some uh, public speaking or advising so I could be asked to go talk about blockchain technology and how it'll affect different industries is typically what I'm uh, being asked to do. So I do a lot of that Um, uh, or I go talk to some of my startups, see how they're doing and what's happening with their technology and how I can support them. Or I'm listening to new startups tell me about their ideas and seeing so you know how I can help.
0: Very, very cool. And yeah, it, it's amazing that you're, you're able to do all of that because it is, it is uh, taxing to travel that much. And, but it's one of those things where you're doing well, uh, you're growing technology, you're creating things. So uh, amazing what you're doing. As you were progressing in technology, you talked about your dad do you have any mentors or people who have kind of helped you along the way that you model? you've model, you modeled anything that you're doing after or key books that you've read?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I think we are all like the products of the people that we surround ourselves by. Um, they say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, and so I've tried to be thoughtful in that, making sure that I'm surrounded by other people that like to create and grow. And, you know, my favorite books are... Um, the Art of Living, it's a, a very, very mm. old book about stoicism, but it's so fresh. You can get it on Amazon for like a couple dollars. It's a great book, uh, an easy read, but I feel like every time I open up that book, um, I only can read maybe a page or two and then I have to like sit and <laughs> chew on it and put it down. So well, I love those
0: books are great. I it's love like that a, book. Yeah. kind of a, I'm going to meditate on this for the next day or two yep. and then read another page.
1: Ryan Holiday has some really great work around stoicism, too. Um, I really like coming back to some of these base concepts that let you sort of like deal with how dynamic our world is. If you have like this this base set of like how you deal with difficult situations, like we talked earlier about just labeling. How do you how do you think about thinking? How do you think about experiences? How do you think about like things that are outside of your control? Um, And I really like. Uh, right now, stoicism and how it kind of helps you build a, a base on how to interact in a world that is often chaotic and out of control.
0: So it sounds like you're you're kind of. I don't want to use a too techy or trendy term, but like mind hacking, where <laughs> you're experiencing the world and, and your everything that you're that you're doing through a certain filter or a certain lens and, and you're working on kind of your inner self to, uh, or, or you've done very well working on your inner self to, uh, experience that in a way that's empowering. Is, is that what you're talking about with stoicism?
1: Yeah. I think in, in general, like I like that experimentation, uh, not just in like you, you mentioned lenses. I think that's a great way of looking at it. It's like, Not everything needs to be looked at under the same lens, but being able to trade them off to give you new perspectives on what you're looking at. Um, But I I do like that experimentation today. I got my first uh, IV bag of vitamins. They had an IV
0: bag of vitamins.
1: Yeah. So I've always kind of wanted to try it. It's like you, you go, um, I had heard about it in Vegas. Like if you. Uh, drank too much, you could go get an IV bag and they would pump you full of like rehydrate you and 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 give you vitamins. And a hey, friend I heard had told that's me
0: popular there now,
1: right? But they had a place here, but it was just for like, if you're always traveling, you're on the road. Some of my other favorite books um, around uh, developing your mind and your consciousness are positive intelligence and the misleading mind. They really help you start thinking about thinking um, and s- helping you grasp and control, um, your mind so that you could harness it for the things that you want to do and not become overwhelmed or, uh, discouraging to yourself. Um, and some of the other things I found really helpful is another book called six pillars of self-esteem, um, that was written that sort of helps you have the the strength to, to do what you want to do and live the kind of life that you want to live. Uh, I know, especially as women that we can kind of get like beat down and and we are often our greatest hindrance in this world. And so if we can, we can control our minds and we can build up our self-esteem then we can do just about anything we want to do.
0: That's amazing. And yeah, I I'm excited to hear about those books too, because I haven't heard of those and they're not kind of the typical ones going around in my circle. So hopefully they have audible versions because that's how I read most of my books.
1: They totally have audio, audio versions and they're not techie at all, but they help, uh, those of us that are techie that want to do big things um, do bigger, better things with their lives
0: very awesome, thanks so you were talking about kind of optimizing your view and the way that you're experiencing the world in different situations and that that kind of lens or or kind of mind hacking uh, Tell us a little bit more about that
1: so when I first sort of like really got into entrepreneurship, I realized like what are these? these roadblocks in my life? What are these sort of like these micro irritants that made it difficult for me to, you know, get that website finished or put out that ad campaign or, you know, get a a chapter written in a book. And sometimes it's just like being present and being like, you know what, this chair is like really uncomfortable. I need to get a, a new chair. And so it's like acknowledging sort of those roadblocks. And, and then when you kind of like progress far enough And you ask earlier, like, how often are you on the road? So I'm like, well, I'm on the road a lot. So then it's like, how do you maintain that kind of productivity in the long term? So it's like, well, I try to never work on the weekends so that I always Mm. can decompress and I don't check my email and it makes people mad. But it's like, I need that for me so that I can stay productive for life and not just burn out. Um, And, you know, I'm always trying to experiment with other things, whether it's like, You know, uh, taking vitamins via an IV bag, or um, trying a new um, diet, um, or uh, you know, going to a spa or something like that, so that I am always working at peak performance um, and trying to figure out how do I keep on improving on my performance and mental clarity.
0: So that that's fascinating. You talked about because you you work hard. You. You do a lot, a lot of traveling. Uh, you're up to a lot, and how is that sustainable? And you're saying it's important that you actually take your weekends. It's an interesting perspective to to take time off or take a break and kind of recharge and refresh, yeah. and not just be go 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 all the time past the point of burnout. Uh, that 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 doesn't that doesn't work sustainably. So it's amazing to see see you implementing that and and using that effectively.
1: Well, I took. Basically, the time from September when I left Factum to uh, mid-December, just pretty much off. I did a little bit of public speaking and a little bit of writing, but most of that time was just for me and trying to f- understand. You know, what did I want to do in this next phase of my life? I'm I'm 33 now, and this is sort of hitting the peak of uh, what it's possible. You know, what, you know, in a, a person's career cycle, like. Their thirties is sort of like, this is a time that they make what they're going to make. And so it's like, I wanted to be really thoughtful and conscious in that, especially if I could um, afford to take the time off.
0: Amazing. So yeah, just being intentional about everything that you're doing and sounds like you're, you're planning, you're planning and strategizing and then creating that future.
1: Yes. Is that right? I think, I think that's important. Otherwise we just sort of like, we could show up every day and just be a warm body Or we can show up every day with some intention of where we want to go. Um, And if we're patient, we'll start to see that we're going where we want to go.
0: Cool. Well, what's next for you?
1: Uh, More investing. Um, I think 2018 is going to be crazy, especially in the blockchain space. We're seeing a lot of really interesting developments as governments start regulating and figuring out how they want to handle this new technology. Um and uh, you know, building out my own company, the dap 3D and the Digi Puppy game, and um, and maybe uh, maybe we'll get that Ethereum for for Demi's book written. We'll see.
0: Awesome, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and the Digi Puppies, of course, Digi Puppies for sure. How do we uh, how do we keep up on that? You gave us the Digi Puppies website earlier, mm-hmm. which was DigiPuppies.com. Yep. Uh Do you have a personal website or how to how do people contact you on social or follow what you're up to?
1: Uh, Probably the best and easiest way to grab my attention is going to be on Twitter. And my handle is at Lawrence Tiana
0: at Lawrence Tiana on Twitter. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys at home for listening and have a great weekend. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech T. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. wearelatech.com slash shop represent. To join in the conversation and chat with me and other crypto enthusiasts, check out the crypto channel on the We Are LA Tech private Slack at wearelatech.com slash VIP. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of we are like Tech or their participants and are subject to change. The content of the show, the videos, website, and all related works are provided for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be, nor does it constitute financial investment or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to investing, finances, trading, or anything else based on this content without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to buy, sell, or trade any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent financial advisor.